1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the 111th episode of my podcast, Dan Hill's EQ Spotlight. The series appears here on the New Books Network, which has as its motto, sharing knowledge so people can thrive. Today's topic is treat your suppliers as friends. I'm joined by Alinka Triplat. She is the co-author, along with three European Boston Consulting Group colleagues of a new book. Profit from the Source, Transforming Your Business by Putting Suppliers at the Core. The publisher is Harvard Business Review Press. Alinka is a Partner and Managing Director at the Boston Consulting Group based in BCG's Vienna office. She advises global leaders in the high-tech defense and industrial goods sectors. Welcome to the show, Alinka.
0: Thank you for having me here.
1: Oh, absolutely. So uh, let's get started. What's a quick overview of the book?
0: Yeah. So we really wrote the book because we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, procurement uh, is, is given the right attention that it deserves. Uh, for many companies, uh, majority of, of, uh, of their spend is with suppliers. So it's more than 50% for many of the companies. And in the book, we're kind of giving a recipe for how the companies need to change by starting with how the CEO needs to change by making procurement a priority. The second part, how the company needs to Change by treating suppliers as friends um, and and uh, kind of empowering their procurement team, and then finally by showing also how the ecosystem needs to change or what we do with suppliers and what's the value that we can uh, we can derive out of that.
1: Okay, well, there's a real striking statistic that comes early in the book. Uh, it suggests that the typical CEO spends only about one percent of their time. On suppliers, yet, as you just said, about 50% of their budget is often devoted to uh, suppliers. does seem like a huge disconnect between the two, uh, hence the blind spot you're trying to handle. So a couple of questions there. One, I'm naturally wondering just how CEOs normally do spend their time. And uh, when they uh, grow this to potentially as much as 25% of their time, which does seem to be justified, what will need to give way to make time to put more of a focus on procurement from your point of view
0: yeah um so so you're right so in one percent if you translate it into how much that is in a day that's only seven minutes a day so it's really stri- strikingly little compared to um, how much spend is with the with those suppliers um where do the CEOs spend their time on they spend their time thinking about about the growth thinking about the strategy thinking about more more sales um, but the, the 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 message that we're trying to convey is that by spending more time with procurement and having really a smooth supply chain and procurement function can really free you up, free up your time to really then uh, um, make your make your dreams true as a um, as a CEO. So. By investing more time, it actually um, will 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 give you give you more time more time off because because things are going to run more smoothly. And maybe just another another remark here. So the study has been done before the COVID pandemic crisis. I think in the past two years, through the COVID crisis, through different shortages and inflation, there's been a bit of shift in there. So if you would ask today many CEOs, they would say they spend more than one percent time on that. But the question is, what happens when we're out of the current Crisis? Are we going back to one percent? And this is the message that we're trying to make: that no, we shouldn't do that. We should actually go more in like the twenty twenty five percent range, um, where we work really closely um, with our, uh, especially with our core suppliers.
1: No, no, it certainly seems justified. I, I must say, I enjoyed the line we said: too often procurement is seen as the quote unquote corporate equivalent of being sent to Siberia. Um, that's that's a memorable line. So going with the the title of the episode about trying to make suppliers or treat them like friends, um, you do point out that for a lot of CEOs, if they have a traditional mindset, they're going to see the chief procurement officer, which is a position you're suggesting needs to exist more often, that they might default to seeing that person as really just about hammering away at suppliers to save costs So I'm curious how we navigate this because obviously, as you would know from behavioral economics, people tend to hear bad news more loudly, sometimes twice as loudly. So if a supplier feels like they're getting pushed and pushed and pushed to uh, extract costs, which means they're also having their profit margin reduced, how do you at the same time manage to treat them as friends in a way that they relax and you really get the collaboration that you're uh, advocating for wisely and correctly in the book.
0: Yeah. So I think one key thing uh, first to think of is that um, we really should think in terms of our suppliers, not in terms of categories or, or, or commodities, because by doing that we kind of make that whole relationship very transactional. So if we flip that if we flip the focus on suppliers, we, we identify who are the most critical, um, largest, uh, largest and, and other critical suppliers for a company and really say okay we're going to focus highly individually on those suppliers, we will work both. On getting the right cost levels together, but we will double down in terms of what we invest in the relationship. So then it's not, you know, suppliers being treated as I'm being compared left and right to me with all this competition and competition, um, also from from low cost areas. But it's uh, he knows that he's investing in doing the right thing together, in being competitive, and 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 then also bringing more innovation or looking at fast faster, faster um, speed to market um, and so on. But you can only achieve that if you flip this, um, the view that procurement has by looking at suppliers first and then thinking in terms of categories.
1: Okay, no, I, I remember very distinctly at one point I've I've run a market research company, and uh, among my clients was has been General Motors, and I remember getting sent off to the procurement officer, who quite obviously his entire goal was he had a certain mandate to get a percentage reduction in the cost, but he had no relationship to the project nor its objectives, and uh, it just wasn't integrated at all, and it really you know did nothing to enhance the project to say the least. So it seems to me in in your in your book you're really talking about trying to find ways to work together and keep it adversarial. Is that not correct?
0: Yes. Yes yes um, so so exactly so we really talk about I mean how how can we engage more with suppliers and some of the industries that we draw a lot of um, uh, a lot of kind of best practices from is for example the t- tech industry if you look at Apple fully outsourced manufacturing they depend highly um, on their suppliers which means also investing time in making those suppliers fit and um, uh, in helping them ramp up the production um, and and we're trying to kind of bring bring this is thinking of collaborating a lot in early development cycles in in the uh, when we start setting up the manufacturing in this with the supply chain issues for example like right now with the semiconductor crisis um yes. into how <laughs> yeah how procurement should be working with suppliers
1: okay and there, another uh, point in the book that i i thought was important you said that the human dimension will be about 70% of the challenge and trying to retool the procurement function. Can you talk a bit about what those, what goes into that human dimension and the 70%?
0: Yes, absolutely. So, um, the, the, the procurement kind of the category manager function is changing as the, the procurement function is changing the way we described it. Uh, so now the core the core um, uh, capabilities that I need are not anymore just about can I negotiate? can I do a good uh, competitive bidding process? but it's a lot more about am I a good strategist? Can I think of you know how to build together a joint uh, alignment between the two companies, am I a good orchestrator across the company? so can I bring different functions together and orchestrate orchestrate uh, them to work uh, to work together? Also how good am I with with deep analytical um, uh, data so leveraging tons of data that are there to better predict risks and better um, uh, better manage risks. So that's what we're saying in in the end I mean for for this function to change, we need to add, more capabilities it's either um, increasing the capability of existing um, of existing resources or also adding more of this kind of strategic capabilities and digital capabilities um, into into procurement function.
1: Do you, uh, in being the orchestra director to take your analogy, um, have you found that those people really have those people skills right now or they're having to be uh, taught to them? I mean how, how does that piece work?
0: I I think it's a mix. I think in, uh, so in procurement functions that today would already get involved at, maybe not at the earliest, but at, at earlier stages in the product development cycle, they are very used to working, you know, with engineering design people um, product marketing and so it's finding those individuals that have those capabilities but then increasing the 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 capacity there because now we're also want to go go deeper with the with the suppliers but in a more traditional companies where procurement gets involved at the later stage um, it, it, the specs are already completed and everything I think that's where you would you would see that those capabilities are lacking because it's mostly focused on um, kind of contracting and negotiation uh, negotiation piece.
1: Yeah, no, the, the person at General Motors that I alluded to earlier, I, I felt like I was talking to a human uh, pocket calculator <laughs> more, more, more than an individual, um, quite honestly. So um, I think it might have been in the chapter, Dreaming Big Together, and you just mentioned data. And I was interested in that in part because there's lots of different streams of data that can come together here And when you're trying to innovate, and you you mentioned trying to understand the consumer's emotional needs. So we're past utilitarian needs. It's also emotional needs for consumers and innovation. Uh, At BCG, or maybe at best practices for companies that have been clients of yours, what have you seen as some some smart and innovative ways that have tried to really get a handle on consumers' emotional needs, the target market?
0: Yeah, so, I mean... (laughs) one part of it is just leveraging you know in many companies uh, uh, we regularly find out that there's so much so much data available on how consumers use our products that we can derive to kind of understand where do they feel more attached to certain functions what do they care about what do they um not care about so i think that that's one large element because it's just figuring out having data analysts that can that can actually take this this uh, um this large amount of data and, and make make use of them. The second part of what um, I've also been working with on with clients was really taking a step back and thinking of the product in a sense of what do we really think the consumer of this product, what do they really expect from it? What are really the kind of the features um, that, that bring them most kind of value? So... Um, so in a sense of the satisfaction so so emotional value um and and how do we how do we enhance that and the role that procurement typically would play here would be orchestrating this um again so using the same word so across this different different functions but also suppliers know a lot more than than we think suppliers work with your competitors suppliers work with similar industries so getting getting their inputs into where they think the journey is going and what what really matters, um, I think, is also very crucial.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love that idea. It, you know, when I was in corporate life um, before I started my own company, it became pretty obvious quickly that uh, consultants tended to be more nimble. They had to keep learning and adding value, and they were more fleet-footed often uh, than what was going on internally. And um, so, this idea of really trying to use all those those inputs that they have. Uh, to get to a better outcome jointly does make a lot of sense to me. Um, I was also interested just because, you know, in trying to tap into emotional needs, uh, people, of course, don't think their feelings, they feel their feelings. So <laughs> trying to get at that piece can be difficult. I had maybe one last question for you. It's very uh, timely in the news. I-, I noticed that among your specialties, the sectors you work with is defense. And uh, naturally we are all reading about the war in Ukraine and uh, there's a need to, um, you know, procure weapons. I don't know if uh, through your contacts, and I don't want you to have to give away anything to a specific client, but if you've seen what you think is working well, what are missed opportunities, if by chance you have any vantage point on uh, what's involved as, as NATO members, for instance, uh, try to lend some assistance here.
0: Yeah, that's that's a tough that's a tough question to. Um,
1: my my to solve. apologies. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: I mean, so so uh, one thing that I've seen is, I mean, um, so so how how to help? So kind of under um, from from the side of NATO. So when working with defense companies, um, it was also often looking back at how how are so the different um, kind of defense products, how are they made? What is the what is the spec behind it? And working closely, usually with the with the national um, governments in uh, in changing changing and revising revising those specs, which would then allow us to build more faster. Because um, oftentimes, what you see is that the bottlenecks are really because. Um, these designs are are old, and there there's a a lot of very ingrained uh, relationships when where companies are um, stuck with kind of one, very often just one one company and cannot get get out of that current specification. So what I've seen is working closely. So again, bringing those suppliers actually closer, but then also challenging challenging for with the users of what we can do. There can help us speed up the, the development developments. Cycles and uh, and the production so I think that's one um, uh, one piece of the answer uh, the other piece which is maybe a bit less related to to the defense directly but it's what I'm also dealing dealing with right now in terms of the crane crisis is you know many companies are also feeling it in terms of another supply shortage that's happening. There's pig iron that's coming from the region. Ah, there sure. are different um, materials that are coming. Even like in semiconductors, there's a spe- special neon gas coming out of the Crimea um, region. So uh, so it's also in terms of this, just for the companies that are nothing related directly to the defense and, and to... Um, uh, um, Uh, to NATO companies helping, but it's more related to the corporate world is being able to predict how exposed am I there? How do I I change the production? So I've heard of several automotive OEMs moving production on the wire harnesses because of low labor costs. There was quite a lot also in that that region. So quickly moving it to other regions because it was just impossible to get material there. And I mean, with war going on, obviously there's no production happening. So, um, uh, so, 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 Identifying those kind of predictable risks and and acting fast upon them, I think that's the the other element where I've seen kind of war impact a lot the corporate world.
1: Yeah, you no, know, I, I think uh, for having given you such a difficult question, I think that's a good answer. Um, it does strike me with NATO. I mean, there's so many members of NATO, and they all have, or in many cases, their own uh, homegrown uh, defense armaments. Mm. And and suppliers, um, it makes it very complicated very quickly. And take COVID nineteen, and then add in the the war in Ukraine. Uh, procurement uh, has been in the headlines for quite a while now.
0: Yes, that's
1: correct. Yes. which i guess is good for your book Uh, (laughs)
0: yeah so we we are hoping this is going to help us get you know procurement out of this corporate siberia space into into the headlines into like the top top of the minds of the of the ceos to really make it a priority
1: sure so having given you a tough question let me give you a, a closing simple question or easy question what else didn't we get to in the book that you think is instrumental that you'd like to add particularly as it might apply to our theme about treating suppliers as friends.
0: Yeah, so I think um, one element that we maybe didn't cover so much is just making sure that understanding is what what does that mean? Treating my suppliers as friends. What are gonna get out of that relationship? So not just thinking about the cost, but thinking across all the different dimensions that I can get. I can reduce the risks. I can speed up the time um, in in my development or with my with my processes. I can work on with suppliers. The the majority of the carbon emissions are with suppliers, like many companies 50 70 percent so i can i need suppliers to work with me in order to be able to uh, to reduce my overall um, carbon footprint and then i can sure. also leverage suppliers to help me with innovation many suppliers have critical technologies that they're developing so how do i get ahead of the curve against my competitors that they give me earlier and kind of more aligned with my needs the technology i so i really want to stress that so so not have having kind of a one-sided view, treating them as friends just to get cost, but treating them as as, uh, as friends to get a lot more out of that relationship than just looking at, the, at a pure pure cost.
1: Okay, fair enough. I, I want to thank you, Alinka, so much for having been my guest. This is episode 111, Treat Your Suppliers as Friends. Uh, Alinka Triplat is the co-author of Profit from the Source, Transforming Your Business by Putting Suppliers at the Core. If you've enjoyed today's show, please give it a rating or review on iTunes. You can find other episodes, of course, by going to the New Books Network's website, type in Dan Hill's EQ Spotlight in the search bar, and the other 100-plus episodes will appear. Finally, I'd like to conclude every episode with an appropriate epigram. In this case, I took one from Indira Gandhi, who said, You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Until next time, take care and be well.